Book Two, Canto Nine of the Fairy Queen by Edmund Spencer. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Recording by Thomas Copeland. Canto Nine, the House of Temperance, in which doth sober Alma dwell, besieged of many foes, whom stranger knights to flight compel. Of all God's works which do this world adorn, there is no one more fair and excellent than is man's body, both for power and form, whilst it is kept in sober government, but none than it more foul and indecent, distempered through misrule and passion's space. It grows a monster, and incontinent doth lose its dignity and native grace. Behold who list both one and other in this place. After the Paynim brethren conquered where, the Briton prince, recovering his stolen sword, and Guyon his lost shield, they both affair, forth passed on their way in fair accord, till him the prince with gentle court did board. Sir knight, mote I of you this curtsy read, to weet why on your shield, so goodly scored, bear ye the picture of that lady's head? Full lively is the semblant, though the substance dead. Fair sir, said he, if in that picture dead such life ye read, and virtue in vain show, what mote ye ween if the true livelihead of that most glorious visage ye did view? But if the beauty of her mind ye knew, that is, her bounty and imperial power, thousand times fairer than her mortal hue, oh, how great wonder would your thoughts devour, and infinite desire into your spirit's power! She is the mighty queen of fairy, whose fair retreat I in my shield do bear. She is the flower of grace and chastity, throughout the world renowned far and near, my leaf, my liege, my sovereign, my dear, whose glory shineth as the morning star, and with her light the earth and lumens clear. Far reach her mercies and her praises far, as well in state of peace as puissance in war. Thrice happy man, said then the Briton knight, whom gracious lot and thy great valiance have made thee soldier of that princess bright, which with her bounty and glad countenance doth bless her servants and them high advance. How may strange knight hope ever to aspire by faithful service and meet eminence unto such bliss? Sufficient were that higher for loss of thousand lives to die at her desire. Said Guyon, Noble lord, what meed so great or grace of earthly prince so sovereign, but by your wondrous worth and warlike feat ye well may hope, and easily attain. But were your will her sold to entertain, and numbered be mongst knights of maidenhead, great guerdon well I wot should you remain, and in her favour high be reckoned, as Artegall and Sophie now be nonnered. Certes, then said the prince, I God avow that sith I arms and knighthood first did plight, my whole desire hath been, and yet is now, to serve that queen with all my power and might. Now hath the sun with his lamp-burning light walked round about the world, and I no less, sith of that goddess I have sought the sight, yet nowhere can her find. Such happiness heaven doth to me envy, and fortune favourless. Fortune, the foe of famous Chevisance, seldom, said Guyon, yields to virtue aid, but in her way throws mischief and mischance, whereby her course is stopped and passage stayed. But you, fair sir, be not herewith dismayed, but constant keep the way in which ye stand, 
which, were it not that I am else delayed with hard adventure which I have in hand, I labor would to guide you through all fairyland. Gramercy, sir, said he, but mote I not what strange adventure do you now pursue? Perhaps my succor or advisement meet, mote stead you much your purpose to subdue. Then can Sir Guyan all the story shew of false Acrasia and her wicked wiles, which to avenge the palmer him forthdrew from fairy court. So talked they the whiles they wasted had much way, and measured many miles. And now fair Phoebus gan decline in haste his weary wagon to the western vale, when as they spied a goodly castle placed for by a river in a pleasant dale, which choosing for that evening's hospital they thither marched. But when they came in sight, and from their sweaty coursers did avail, they found the gates fast barred long ere night, and every loop fast locked, as fearing foes despite. Which when they saw, they weened foul reproach was to them done their entrance to forestall, till that the squire gan nigher to approach, and wind his horn under the castle wall, that with the noise it shook as it would fall eftsoons forth looked from the highest spire the watch and loud unto the knights did call to weet what they so rudely did require who gently answered they entrance did desire fly fly good knights said he fly fast away if that your lives ye love as meet ye should fly fast and save yourselves from near decay here may ye not have entrance though we would we would and would again, if that we could, but thousand enemies about us rave, and with long siege us in this castle hold. Seven years this wise they us besieged have, and many good knights slain that have us sought to save. Thus as he spoke, lo, with outrageous cry, a thousand villains round about them swarmed out of the rocks and caves adjoining nigh vile caitive wretches ragged rude deformed all threatening death all in strange manner armed some with unwieldy clubs some with long spears some rusty knives some staves in fire warmed stern was their look like wild amazed steers staring with hollow eyes and stiff upstanding ears Fiercely at first those knights they did assail, and drove them to recoil, but when again they gave fresh charge, their forces gan to fail, unable their encounter to sustain. For with such puissance and impetuous mane those champions broke on them, that forced them fly like scattered sheep, when as the shepherd swain a lion and a tiger doth espy, with greedy pace forth rushing from the forest nigh. A while they fled, but soon returned again with greater fury than before was found, and evermore their cruel capitan sought with his rascal routes to enclose them round, and overrun to tread them to the ground. But soon the knights with their bright burning blades broke their rude troops, and orders did confound, hewing and slashing at their idle shades, for though they bodies seem, yet substance from them fades as when a swarm of gnats at eventide out of the fens of allen do arise their murmuring small trumpets sound and wide whiles in the air their clustering army flies that as a cloud doth seem to dim the skies ne man nor beast may rest or take repast for their sharp wounds and noyous injuries till the fierce northern wind with blustering blast 
doth blow them quite away, and in the ocean cast. Thus, when they had that troublous rout dispersed, unto the castle gate they come again, and entrance craved, which was denied erst. Now when report of that their perilous pain and cumbrous conflict which they did sustain came to the lady's ear which there did dwell, she forth issued with a goodly train of squires and ladies equipaged well, and entertained them right fairly as befell. Alma, she called was, a virgin bright, that had not yet felt Cupid's wanton rage. Yet was she wooed of many a gentle knight, and many a lord of noble parentage, that sought with her to link in marriage, for she was fair, as fair mote ever be, and in the flower now of her freshest age, yet full of grace and goodly modesty, that even heaven rejoiced her sweet face to see. In robe of lily-white she was arrayed, that from her shoulder to her heel down wrought, the train whereof loose far behind her strayed, branched with gold and pearl most richly wrought, and born of two fair damsels which were taught that service well. Her yellow golden hair was trimly woven, and in tresses wrought, nay other tire she on her head did wear, but crowned with a garland of sweet rosier. Goodly she entertained those noble knights, and brought them up into her castle hall, where gentle court and gracious delight she to them made with mildness virginal, showing herself both wise and liberal. There, when they rested had a season due, they her besought, a favor special, of that fair castle to afford them view. She granted, and them leading forth the same did shew. First she them led up to the castle wall, that was so high as foe might not it climb, and all so fair and fensible withal. Not built of brick, nor yet of stone and lime, but of thing like to that Egyptian slime, whereof King Nine while Ome built Babel Tower. But, O oh, great pity, that no longer time so goodly workmanship should not endure. Soon it must turn to earth, no earthly thing is sure. The frame thereof seemed partly circular and part triangular, a work divine. Those two the first and last proportions are, the one imperfect, mortal, feminine, the other immortal, perfect, masculine. And twixt them both a quadrate was the base, proportioned equally by seven and nine. Nine was the circle set in heaven's place, all which compacted made a goodly diapace. Therein two gates were placed seemly well. The one before, by which all in did pass, did the other far in workmanship excel, for not of wood, nor of enduring brass, but of more worthy substance framed it was, doubly disparted. It did lock and close, that when it locked, none might thorough pass, and when it opened, no man might it close, still open to their friends, and closed to their foes. Of hewen stone the porch was fairly wrought, stone more of value and more smooth and fine than jet or marble far from Ireland brought, over the which was cast a wandering vine, and chased with a wanton ivy twine, and over it a fair portcullis hung, which to the gate directly did incline with comely compass and compacture strong, neither unseemly short nor yet exceeding long. Within the barbican a porter sate, day and night duly keeping watch and ward, nor white nor word mote pass out of the gate but in good order, and with due regard. 
utterers of secrets he from thence debarred babblers of folly and blazers of crime his lorumbel might loud and wide be hard when cause required but never out of time early and late it rung at evening and at prime and round about the porch on every side twice sixteen warders sat all armed bright in glistering steel and strongly fortified tall yeomen seemed they and of great might and were enranged ready still for fight by them as alma passed with her guests they did obeisance as beseemed right and then again returned to their rests the porter eke to her did lout with humble jests thence she them brought into a stately hall wherein were many tables fair to spread and ready dight with drappets festival against the viand should be ministered at the upper end there sate clad in red down to the ground a comely personage that in his hand a white rod managed he steward was hight diet ripe of age and in demeanour sober and in counsel sage and through the hall there walked to and fro a jolly yeoman marshal of the same whose name was appetite he did bestow both guests and meat whenever in they came and knew them how to order without blame as him the steward bade they both atone did duty to their lady as became who passing by forth led her guests anon into the kitchen room nispared for niceness none it was a vault built for great dispense with many ranges reared along the wall, and one great chimney, whose long tunnel thence the smoke forth threw, and in the midst of all there placed was a cauldron, wide and tall, upon a mighty furnace, burning hot, more hot than Etnor flaming mongeable, for day and night it brent, ne ceased not, so long as anything it in the cauldron got. But to delay the heat, lest by mischance it might break out and set the whole on fire, there added was, by goodly ordinance, an huge great pair of bellows, which did stire continually, and cooling breath inspire. About the cauldron many cooks acoiled with hooks and ladles, as need did require. The whiles the viands in the vessel boiled, they did about their business sweat and sorely toiled. The maester cook was called Concoction, a careful man and full of comely guise. The kitchen clerk, that hight Digestion, did order all the cates in seemly wise, and set them forth as well he could devise. The rest had several offices assigned, some to remove the scum as it did rise, others to bear the same away did mind, and others it to use according to his kind but all the liquor which was foul and waste not good nor serviceable else for aught they in another great round vessel placed till by a conduit pipe it thence were brought and all the rest that noyous was and not by secret ways that none might it espy was close conveyed and to the back gate brought that cleped was port esquiline whereby it was avoided quite and thrown out privily which goodly order and great workman's skill when as those knights beheld with rare delight and gazing wonder they their minds did fill for never had they seen so strange a sight thence back again fair alma led them right and soon into a goodly parlour brought that was with royal arras richly dight in which was nothing portrait nor wrought not wrought nor portrait but easy to be thought and in the midst thereof upon the floor a lovely bevy of fair ladies sate, 
courted of many a jolly paramour, the which them did in modest wise a mate, and each one sought his lady to a great. And eke amongst them little Cupid played his wanton sports, being returned late from his fierce wars, and having from him laid his cruel bow, wherewith he thousands hath dismayed. Diverse delights they found themselves to please, some song in sweet consort, some laughed for joy, some played with straws, some idly sat at ease, but other some could not abide to toy, all pleasance was to them grief and annoy. This frowned, that fawned, the third for shame did blush, another seemed envious or coy, another in her teeth did gnaw a rush but at these strangers' presence every one did hush. Soon as the gracious Alma came in place, they all at once out of their seats arose, and to her homage made with humble grace, whom when the knights beheld, they gan dispose themselves to court, and each a damsel chose. The prince, by chance, did on a lady light that was right fair and fresh as morning rose, but somewhat sad and solemn eke in sight, as if some pensive thought constrained her gentle sprite. In a long purple pall, whose skirt with gold was fretted all about, she was arrayed, and in her hand a poplar branch did hold, to whom the prince in courteous manner said, Gentle madame, why be ye thus dismayed, and your fair beauty do with sadness spill? Lives any that you hath thus ill appaid, or done you love, or done you lack your will? Whatever be the cause, it sure beseems you ill. Fair sir, said she, half in disdainful wise, how is it that this mood in me ye blame, and in yourself do not the same advise? Him ill beseems another's fault to name, that may unwares be blotted with the same. Pensive I yield I am, and sad in mind, through great desire of glory and of fame. Nay aught I ween are ye therein behind, that have twelve months sought one, yet nowhere can her find? The prince was inly moved at her speech, well weeting true what she had rashly told, yet with fair semblance sought to hide the breach, which change of color did perforce unfold, now seeming flaming hot, now stony cold. Though turning soft aside, he did inquire what white she was that poplar branch did hold. It answered was, her name was Praise Desire, that by well-doing sought to honor to aspire. The whiles the fairy knight did entertain another damsel of that gentle crew that was right fair and modest of demain, but that too oft she changed her native hue. Strange was her tire, and all her garment blue, close round about her tucked with many a plight. Upon her fist the bird which shunneth view and keeps in coverts close from living white did sit, as yet ashamed how rude Pan did her dight. So long as Guyon with her commoned, unto the ground she cast her modest eye, and ever and anon with rosy red the bashful blood her snowy cheeks did dye, that her became as polished ivory which cunning craftsman hand hath overlaid with fair vermilion of pure castery. Great wonder had the knight to see the maid so strangely passioned, and to her gently said, Fair damsel, seemeth by your troubled cheer, that either me too bold ye ween, this wise you to molest, or other ill to fear that in the secret of your heart close lies, from whence it doth as cloud from sea arise. If it be I, 
of pardon I you pray. But if aught else that I mote not devise, I will, if please you would discure, assay to ease you of that ill so wisely as I may. She answered not, but more abashed for shame, held down her head, the whiles her lovely face, the flashing blood with blushing did inflame, and the strong passion marred her modest grace, that Guyon marvelled at her uncouth case, till Alma him spake. Why wonder ye, fair sir, at that which ye so much embrace? She is the fountain of your modesty. You shamefast are, but shamefastness itself is she. Thereat the elf did blush in privity, and turned his face away. But she the same dissembled fair, and feigned to oversee. Thus they a while with court and goodly game, themselves did solace each one with his dame, till that great lady thence away them sought to view her castle's other wondrous frame. Up to a stately turret she them brought, ascending by ten steps of alablaster wrought. That turret's frame most admirable was, like highest heaven compassed around, and lifted high above this earthly mass which it surviewed, as hills done lower ground, but not on ground mote like to this be found, not that which antique Cadmus whilom built in Thebes, which Alexander did confound, nor that proud tower of Troy, though richly gilt, from which young Hector's blood by cruel Greeks was spilt. The roof hereof was archered overhead, and decked with flowers and herbers daintily. Two goodly beacons set in watches stead, therein gave light and flamed continually, for they of living fire most subtly were made, and set in silver sockets bright, covered with lids devised of substance sly, that readily they shut and open might. Oh, who can tell the praises of that maker's might? Ne can I tell, ne can I stay to tell this part's great workmanship and wondrous power, that all this other world's work doth excel, and likest is unto that heavenly tower that God hath built for his own blessed bower. Therein were diverse rooms and diverse stages, but three the chiefest and of greatest power, in which there dwelt three honorable sages, the wisest men I ween that lived in their ages. Not he whom Greece, the nurse of all good arts, by Phoebus' doom, the wisest thought alive, might be compared to these by many parts. Nor that sage Pylian's sire, which did survive three ages such as mortal men contrive, by whose advice old Priam's city fell, with these in praise of policies most strive. These three in these three rooms did sundry dwell, and counselled fair Alma how to govern well. The first of them could things to come foresee, the next could of things present best advise, the third things past could keep in memory, so that no time nor reason could arise, but that the same could one of these comprise. For the, the first did in the four parts sit, that naught mote hinder his quick prejudice. He had a sharp foresight and working wit, that never idle was, ne once could rest a whit. His chamber was dispainted all within with sundry colors, in the which were writ infinite shapes of things dispersed thin, some such as in the world were never yet, ne can devised be of mortal wit, some daily seen and known by their names, such as in idle fantasies do flit, infernal hags, 
centaurs, fiends, hippodames, apes, lions, eagles, owls, fools, lovers, children, dames. And all the chamber filled was with flies, which buzzed all about, and made such sound that they encumbered all men's ears and eyes, like many swarms of bees assembled round after their hives with honey to abound. All those were idle thoughts and fantasies, devices, dreams, opinions unsound, shows, visions, soothsays, and prophesies, and all that feigned is, as leasings, tales, and lies. Amongst them all sate he which wanted there that hight Phantastes by his nature true, a man of years yet fresh, as mote appear, of swarth complexion, and of crabbed hue, that him full of melancholy did shew, bent hollow beetle brows, sharp staring eyes that mad or foolish seemed, one by his view mote deem him born with ill-disposed skies, when oblique Saturn sate in the house of agonize, whom Alma having showed to her guests, thence brought them to the second room, whose walls were painted fair with memorable jests of famous wizards, and with picturals of magistrates, of courts, of tribunals, of commonwealths, of states, of policy, of laws, of judgments, and of decretals, all arts, all science, all philosophy, and all that in the world was a thought wittily. Of those that room was full, and them among there sate a man of ripe and perfect age, who did them meditate all his life long, that through continual practice and usage he now was grown right wise and wondrous sage, Great pleasure had those stranger knights to see his goodly reason and grave personage that his disciples both desired to be. But Alma thence them led to the hindmost room of three. That chamber seemed ruinous and old, and therefore was removed far behind, yet were the walls that did the same uphold right firm and strong, though somewhat they declined, and therein sat an old, old man, half blind, and all decrepit in his feeble course, yet lively vigor rested in his mind, and recompensed him with a better scourse. Weak body well is changed for mind's redoubled force. This man of infinite remembrance was, and things foregone through many ages held, which he recorded still as they did pass, ne suffered them to perish through long eld, as all things else the which this world doth weld, but laid them up in his immortal scrine, where they for ever incorrupted dwell. The wars he well remembered of King Nine, of old Asaracus and Inachus divine. The years of Nestor nothing were to his, ne yet Methuselah, though longest lived, for he remembered both their infancies. Ne wonder then, if that he were deprived of native strength, now that he them survived. His chamber all was hanged about with rolls, and old records from ancient times derived, some made in books, some in long parchment scrolls that were all worm-eaten and full of canker-holes. Amidst them all, he in a chair was set, tossing and turning them without an end. But, for he was unable them to fet, a little boy did on him still attend, to reach whenever he for aught did send, and oft when things were lost or laid amiss, that boy them sought, and unto him did lend. Therefore he Anamnestes clepid is, and that old man Eumnestes, by their properties. The knights, there entering, did him reverence due, and wondered at his endless exercise. Then, as they gan his library to view, and antique registers for to advise, 
there chanced to the prince's hand to rise an ancient book hight Britain monuments that of this land's first conquest did devise and old divisions into regiments till it reduced was to one man's governments sir guyon chanced eke on another book that hight antiquity of fairyland in which when as he greedily did look the offspring of elves and fairies there he found as it delivered was from hand to hand whereat they burning both with fervent fire their country's ancestry to understand craved leave of alma and that aged sire to read those books who gladly granted their desire end of book two canto ten recording by thomas copeland